The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So, put yourself back there. He's risen from the dead. You saw him dead. He's risen from the dead. And he says, just wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for the ghost. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Because this thing that's happening here is not just going to be some Jewish thing that happens. It's going to go here, there, and everywhere. This thing you see is going to go globally. He says, but wait for the ghost. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so they go back to Jerusalem and they do a few things. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, whoever that is, to come. And then Pentecost hits and... All of a sudden, the sound of rushing wind goes through the place, and there's no wind. It's just the sound of wind. And then fire lands on all the people that are gathered there in the temple that are followers of Jesus at that point. Like, that'll be a trip. And then they all start speaking in languages that they don't know. This creates a ruckus in Jerusalem by the thousands as the whole city could hear the wind, see what's going on. They all come to the epicenter of Jerusalem, which is the temple plaza area there, and they're all looking, seeing this thing happen. Some people go, oh, they're drunk. This is stupid. It's ridiculous. Peter goes, no, no. Last week, uh, Tim talked to us about this. He explains, no, this is the move of God's spirit. Your, your scriptures that you've been going to church and synagogue for centuries of time now have told us that there was a day coming when the spirit would come. And the reason the spirit came was because Jesus came. And Jesus came and you fools crucified him. And he, I mean, he's blunt with them. He doesn't say, hey, let's just all be one big happy family. No, we, you idiots, fools, crucified this Jesus of Nazareth. But he rose again from the dead. And here's the beautiful news. He said, there is forgiveness and restoration to God through the most evil act ever per- perpetrated by humanity on the Son of God. Forgiveness and reconciliation with God is possible. And they say, the people that are there go, well, what should we do? He says, believe I mean, you don't have to do anything, you know, those rituals, no, no ceremony. No, just in faith believe that what he did in that cross saved me and, and, and secured my salvation. And it says that day, 3,000 of them believed. And that could be just 3,000 like men, not counting women and children. We don't know how they actually counted things back then, but at least 3,000 of them. You go from 100 people to 3,000 in 10 minutes. What's just happened here is a fire got lit. And so then you wonder, okay, so how do we keep this fire going? What, what comes next? What do we do now? And so I think Peter, James, John, they got together. Okay, so what did Jesus tell us to do? Yeah, yeah. He said, we're going to make disciples of the nations. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father. Baptize them. So they baptized everybody. We baptized some people here last night at our Saturday night service. It's beautiful and amazing. If you haven't been baptized yet, that's your first big step to go public with your faith and say, yes, I believe. On your connection card, you can tell us about that. And we'll chat with you about that, what that means for you. They get baptized. But then it's okay. Now we've got a bunch of wet people sitting around the temple going, okay, we baptized them. Well, what else did Jesus say? Right after he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he says, and then teach them to obey everything I've taught you. Make them disciples. Well, what Jesus wants to do is I'm not interested in making just converts. Converts is important, but the mission is not to make converts. The issue is to make disciples, to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And this thing explodes and goes here, there, and everywhere. And we're going to see here in Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42, what comes next. Luke takes a moment before the next big event happens and describes what a good, healthy, vibrant church and community looks like. It says there, all the believers devoted themselves, I would do something there to point that word out, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
You might want to write the word just the Bible next to that, the Bible, and to fellowship. You might want to write the word community next to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together, get this important point here, uh, together at the temple each day. We can't even get you guys to come to church once a month, some of you, but every day back then. Temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being, in your Bible, underline, highlight, being saved. Here's the vibe of what's going on. 3,000 people are Christians, and what comes next here? Here's the vibe. It's there in those verses. I'm going to give you a screenshot of my Bible. Take a shot of it here to see how you should use your Bibles too. You'll see up there in verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves a deep sense of awe in verse 43, and skip down to verse 46, great joy. That's the vibe. That's what it feels like. Uh, on your note sheet, for those of you who will take notes, there's a note sheet in the back of your program there. It's enthusiastic awe and joy. They're stoked about this. Awe and joy and enthusiasm is going on. Man, a fire got lit, and though, now we're going to find out, okay, so how do you keep that fire going? What, what do you do to... To, to, to keep it going, all that. because uh, And so we're going to talk about today, we're going to see it right here, eight kinds of fuel. We're just going to use the analogy of fire to help us with this. You could call it building blocks. You call it activities, actions, principles. Eight, eight kinds of fuel that keeps the fire going. Here's why this is important. Don't miss this, Crosspoint. This will be important for us collectively as a church to say, let's make sure we keep doing these things to stay a healthy, vibrant lit up church for the, for the glory of God. But it'll also be important for you because from time to time on my spiritual journey, there's times I feel like I'm on fire for God and I'm going for it and it's awesome and amazing and then sometimes it's... It feels like the fire has waned down, you know, and you, like there's maybe some coals down there, just kind of... What do you do to get the fire going again? Put some fuel on it. Give God something to work with. And we're going to give you these eight kinds of fuel today that might be helpful to help get that fire lit again. So it'll be helpful for you personally, helpful for us collectively as a church. And what I hope to do today, like I said, in my prayer is to encourage us. We're doing a pretty decent job. For those of you who are newer here and you think you found the most amazing, perfect church, you haven't been around long enough. Trust me. Um, there's no church that's, that's uh, that we're, we're healthy, we're not perfect. Uh, and we got some work to do on some things. So we're going to take a look at these, at, at the focus of what this new community was all about. As 3,000 people become Christians, here's what we're trying to do here as I think about this. How do you take a moment and make sure it becomes a movement? Because you can get a big thing going right here and then the fire goes out and now what do you do? It's you got to keep adding fuel to it. you got to keep that fire stoked. It says there, and we're going to go through uh, all eight of these, all the believers devoted themselves. I used the word enthusiastic for that. They were stoked enthusiastic to the apostles' teaching. That's the Bible. Number one, the first kind of fuel you got to put on the fire of your relationship with God is the Bible. It's one of our core values here. We say Jesus is central and the Bible is final. No matter what we like or think about it, the Bible's final and all that. 
And so there's information. That's why every week when we gather here, we're going to get our Bibles out. We encourage you to bring your Bibles or your mobile device with the Bible on it. Get the app. We're going to look at the Bible together. It doesn't matter what I think and what you think. They weren't devoted to their own teaching and sharing shared ignorance. Well, I just think this and I just think that. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. So we're going to get into that. So it's for information. But when they say that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were not interested in becoming good little church Pharisees. Just become people who studied the Bible. And Bible, 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 Bible. When it says they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to the Bible, what that means is not just information, but write this down, application. Doing what it says. Uh, You know that the Bible's not given to you. I'm not interested here as a pastor of this church in teaching you the Bible. Just not. All kinds of people can teach you the Bible. I'm interested in you teaching you. It's what Jesus says. People think, well, we should just have more content, more doctrine, more theology. Just teach what the Bible is. Teach the information. I'm telling you right now, Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, after he says, baptize these new believers in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then some people think it says, and teach them everything that I taught you. It's not what it says. It's teach them to obey everything that I taught you. Teach them to do what I, that's what a follower of Jesus does, is that we follow Jesus. We walk in his steps. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For those of you who've been Christians for a while will know this is a famous verse that have to do what's called the inspiration of the scriptures. The idea this book here is God-breathed. It's not just man's words. It's actually God's words breathed through human beings and through human uh, uh, beings to help us know what, who God is and, and what he thinks. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is given by the breath of God, by the inspiration of God, and it's useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for teaching, for instruction in righteousness. And we end right there and think, okay, it's all about information and content. No, no. He says, all those things are, the next words are, so that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's designed to change our life, not just dump more information into our heads. Man, the early church had all kinds of people called Pharisees that knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and they knew what the Bible said. They didn't know what it meant, and they weren't living it out. Read Matthew, uh, it's some, Matthew 23 sometime and see Jesus just tear into the people that knew all the things about the Bible but weren't living it out. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, the information, the things they're going to be learning about, you can see it in the book of Acts. I'd encourage you and your own private time with God here, there, and everywhere, is read through the book of Acts right now. Read a few chapters a day, and you'll see that there are several times where these guys get up and they teach the people. They give a message, similar to what I'm doing here. You know what the subject is every time? Number two, then the second kind of fuel, it's Jesus every time. Jesus is central to every message. And sometimes they're talking about food sacrifice to animals and circumcision. And sometimes they're, I I know, trust me, it gets weird in here. Sometimes they're talking about generosity and giving to the poor. Sometimes they're, it's crazy. And it's in every culture. It doesn't matter where they are. Boom. It's going to come back to Jesus every single time. Jesus is central. He's the focus of it. And you'll see it here. It says they devoted themselves. We'll get to fellowship in a second. uh, Sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And it tells again that they did the Lord's Supper down in verse 46, shared uh, each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That's called communion, what we call uh, communion, the Eucharist, for those of you that grew up uh, Catholic. Uh, Jesus said, he knew knew who his early disciples were, and he knew who you were going to be, and knew how easy it was going to be for us to get distracted and take important things 
and make them the main thing. He says, when you do that, you lose the gospel, you lose the hope of, of really changing the world when you take important things and make them the main thing. He says, the main thing has to, be, has to stay Jesus. So he says, all the time, when you're meeting together at church, when you're having dinner together with your friends, when you're out at BJ's or at Red Robin or at some restaurant in Old Town that never closed down during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> you, some of you went to those places. I know who you are. Um, he says, on a consistent basis, he says, take some bread and some wine and take a moment there to remember not just the, the endless basket of fries and endless refills on the drinks, Take a moment to remember Jesus. And take some, he didn't even make it complicated. It's just bread and it's like ordinary stuff you would have. And they would do this. We do this all the time here. At the end of our time together here, uh, our band's gonna come up. For those of you that are newer here, just tell you kind of how we roll here. And we have communion available for you in the four corners of the room. It's in little packets that are sanitized and all that stuff now because of COVID and all that. But it's juice and a little wafer of bread up there to help you remember Jesus. Because here's the deal for us. No matter what, part of the Bible we find ourselves in, if we're talking about parenting or finances, or if we're talking about the doctrines of justification, or if we're talking about the sinfulness of man, if we're talking about gender and sexuality, debate issues in our culture, all that kind of stuff, at some point we're going to tell you, look, if you forget everything else we said, don't forget Jesus. Which is why here, um, I'm going to be gentle as I do this, and, and gently maybe step on some of your toes. Um, which is why as important as the debates are on Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and justice issues are, as important as the debates and the policy stuff over abortion and gender and sexuality and all those things are, as important as those things are, one of the dangers that churches can get into is becoming single-cause churches. And instead of Jesus staying central, that issue becomes a central thing. And here's why it doesn't work. The Bible's going to tell us this in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians. He says... We tend to think if we can get the laws changed, that'll make, that'll make everything good again. And Romans and Galatians, Paul's going to say the law has no ability to, to make anything la any kind of lasting change. You know what changes people? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus. Martin Luther, a famous, he's been dead long. Those of you who paid attention, grew up in Lutheran churches, you'll appreciate this. Um, says this, I have it um, on, in my office to remind me all the time. He says, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus is the central article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary is it that we know that doctrine well, teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. Which we do communion all the time here. Jesus has become the central thing. And look, I'm not telling you those other issues aren't important, but if we're really ever gonna change our culture, it's not gonna be by changing laws. It's going to be letting the gospel of Jesus come in there and forgive somebody and transform and change them into someone entirely different. That's how laws change, is because the hearts will change, not in reverse. Jesus is the focus. It says there that they were devoted to fellowship. Number three is, I'm going to use the word community because that word fellowship just sounds so religious. And I grew up in a church that had a fellowship hall, and I went, about that. <laughs> Uh, it's community, community fellowship. The Greek word that uh, some of you maybe, you'll see this uh, when you do research on this, is the word koinonia. It's, it's the idea of not just friendships, but it's community. It's like family that happens. Um, we live right now in, in times 
where, uh, of hyper-individualism. You know this when you walk into Starbucks and it takes somebody 17 seconds to give them their Starbucks order. We want it exactly how I want it, and so everything's hyper-individualized. Even our relationship with God is all about me and Jesus, personal, just me, 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 and Jesus. And the truth is, when you look at your Bible, we will sometimes read the Bible and it'll say, you should do this, or you should stop doing that, you, you, you. We think you means Steve, means me. Those of you that paid attention in English class know that there are various kinds of verb tenses and stuff like that, or nouns, yeah. This is not, it's not second person singular, it's always second person plural. And if we were in Alabama, it'd be all y'all. All y'all ought to be doing this. It's collectively, it's not about just me and Jesus. It's a personal relationship with God, but look at me, it is never private. It's never private. And so it says they would gather, and they would gather in rows like we do here and gather in circles in homes. One of the key things we do here is to meet together on weekends like this and meet together uh, also during the week in in various home groups that we have uh, throughout the year. As we come back stronger as a church, as we gather together now as, gosh, it's fun. It's kind of fun to be a little bit of a rebel. Okay, we're going to open up two days early. (laughs) Some people are thinking we're 22 months late, but that's a different deal than all that. Uh, I know who you are. I see your hats and bumper stickers. Uh, (laughs) Shut up. I've just got to stop right now. Look, we, we done, we've done church digitally, and a lot of you were part of that, sat in living rooms, in offices, in cars, listening and watching those kind of things, and we're glad to do that, and we're going to keep doing that, because for different reasons, different people can come and go and all that, but I want to tell you, for, for community to happen and really happen at some point, it has to get personal, it has to be in person like this. It's like my single friends uh, that used to be single that are now married, know that in the last, what, 10, 20 years, this whole online dating thing, eHarmony, Christian Mingle, there was the Farmers Only, TroutFishers.com. I mean, honestly, they had, they had, they had them for everybody. Um, you can start a relationship digitally and talking. And for those of you in the military or get deployed, or you can do some things communication-wise to stay in touch with people. But at some point, you got to get in the same room. Otherwise, it's like, that's just sketchy, weird, and you need therapy. If we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna be married digitally. You, you know, you're not going to do that. You're going to say, let's... So I want to tell you, look, we're going to keep the online thing going there, but get back here. And, and not because it's the right thing to do, dang it. I'm telling you, it's the best thing to do. It's just better. If you want to add fuel to the fire of your relationship with God... Be in the room. Be in this room when we gather here like this. Uh, be, be in the rooms as we start groups and stuff like that in the fall again. Get in those groups, and especially those of you that are newer here. Uh, we want to make sure you, you feel like we're a friendly church. We, we feel like what's cool here about us, here's what, here's what community looks like. Put it up on the screen here. Uh, it's it's uh, making friends, building each other up, and helping each other out. That's what community looks like, what fellowship community looks like. I think it should come up on the screen. No? Did it come up already? It's coming. There it is. Make friends, build each other up, help each other out. We want to be a place that's warm and welcoming, which means that when we're here, we don't want to have these little tight little clicks. We recently have greeters out there, and sometimes we have name tags and stuff like that. Look, can I tell you right now? Let me connect the dots for you. It's not about the name tag. I mean, we want to know your name and stuff like that. It's a chance for us to meet you and have a quick conversation and say, hey, we saw you. And for those of you, those of us who are newer to church and want to come to a place where we can just be invisible, kind of blitz in, 
and be here and then blitz out, um, you've found the wrong church. We are not going to let that happen here. Now, if you, again, I get, I get it's a little weird. Some of you are more reclusive and more introverted, so we're not going to go be, we're not, here's our deal. We're friendly without being freaky. We don't want to freak you out and like, dude, hug you and share my deep personal stuff with you. I've known you for 30 seconds. Shut up, go away. We're not doing that. But if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make a mistake and say, we want to get to know you. So we have the Welcome Center outside. So we have groups. We want you to, to get to know us. Uh, it's, it's fun. There's a, a lady here at our church who's just been coming here three or four weeks. And I'm not, I'm not sure what her past church history, I think she said she's been at different churches different times. But she came here and she's made the decision to get baptized. You know why she's getting baptized? She, not because of my great sermons, trust me. And, and not because of a small group. You know what it was? She said, man, I found a place where it's not just friendly, but like it's real and authentic and exciting. So that, that helps community kind of happen where it's a catalyst for growth in people's lives. They make next steps when somebody encourages them, when somebody helps them. Um, we want to also build each other up. We want to build each other up by making each other stronger. Remember, oh, there's 59, 59 times in the New Testament, it says things like love each other, help each other. Sometimes it repeats it over and over again, but 59 different each other commands. Uh, you know what you can't do by yourself? Any each other stuff. <laughs> if you do, again, you need some therapy. <laughs> Hell, it's, we're, we're building each other up. I want you to see this. Keep something here in Acts and flip over to the right in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Navigate there in your mobile device. If you get to books of James and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, you've gone a little too far. Find the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, look at verse 24. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He's saying, look, there's something powerful that happens in community, that you, you get to know people, you start to make friends. And here's the deal, guys. It's not just about friends. It moves from friendship and acquaintances to community, where then I, I know these people, and I know what they're doing and what they're not doing, and so I get to know what the struggles they're going through, the health issues they're going through, the stuff with their kids, the stuff with their family, the stuff with their finances. And so he, he says here, let's, let's think about it of ways to motivate each other. And sometimes that motivation is just an arm around their shoulder going, hey, how you doing, pal? Sometimes it's like, hey, it's an elbow on the side, and once in a while it's a good kick in the rear end. Say, hey, we care about you, you can't do this with strangers and just acquaintances. This only happens in community. Those of you that think you're uh, Jesus's pit bulls and you go out there and you're straightening everybody out, knock it off. You got to make friends for it before you go on the attack and start going after people. But in community, in friendship, again, it happens in rows like this. It starts here. It's got to get to circles. It's got to get to where you make some friends here uh, and you can build each other up. Encourage, rebuke, he says, and keep meeting together. Don't, don't, don't think you can just do this by yourself. And then it says in the early church, back here in Acts chapter 2, it says several times here, they shared everything they had. They sold stuff and they shared money. They opened their homes to eat together with great joy and generosity. So maybe what, what goes on here, maybe write the word generosity down, they, they sold stuff to help people out. They weren't just friendly on the outside. They actually, when, when somebody was hurting, and needed help, they just helped them. 
And here's the beautiful thing about community. When you create a culture of community in an organization, and I think the Church of Jesus, I mean, we are, we are set up to succeed on this in ways that your poker club, that your wine drinking club, that your, all the rest of your affinity groups that you have can't do this. Because here's what happens. When you really get to know people, what'll happen is care just happens. You don't have to have policies and procedures. You don't have to teach anybody what to do. When all of a sudden somebody's having a child, like a meal train just happens. People get meals together and help them out. Not because somebody told them, hey, you should get a meal train for your small group. But do it. Like, well, you care about these people. We've had some people, gosh, in the last year now, we've had several uh, deaths here at Crosspoint. And I watched small groups. People that had built community together that started off being comp- a bunch of strange people and strangers gathering together and community happened. I'm telling you, I watched this. I'm not going to embarrass them. They're sitting right back there. Watched them go to a, a man's house, uh, Matthew Steinbacher, who was at that point dying. He was not gone yet, and he was, he was kind of coherent. On a Sunday afternoon, they invited me to come see it. I didn't coordinate anything. They showed up there with a little sound system and little placard things to read, and they read and they prayed and shared in his life. I'm just telling you what that did. Nobody told them to do that. See, when, when you got community that happens and you care for people, some of you look, I just want somebody to know my story and care about me you got to make friends. you got to develop community. That's why he says community is so important for getting that fire going in your soul and your heart. And if you feel completely isolated and alone right now, because you can sit in a big room and feel isolated and alone, get out of rows and get in circles. Make some friends that go beyond just friendship and acquaintances and get into community. I have all kinds of examples I could give you of people, people who've experienced community now. They haven't even actually been to our church sitting in here once, but they joined some of our small groups, and they've been doing that. It's been beautiful to watch that happen. Um, and when it comes to generosity, we're going to give you a chance in a few weeks, uh, in two weeks, the Compassion Week, and we're going to have placards all over the house here of, that describe children and situations they're living in and give you a chance to do monthly sponsorship with them. A lot of you are already doing that, like 170 of us already doing that. We're going to encourage you to get, maybe get someone else. Have you ever done that yet? Go get in on this kind of thing. We, we've done stuff like that. We've done... One of the things, uh, Tamby, who kind of helps oversee local outreach stuff here, was telling me last year at Christmas time, during COVID, when we weren't even meeting together as a church, we put a Christmas tree up that had, I forget how many families on there, and were in real, have some real significant needs in our community. Like they weren't going to get Christmas presents for their children. And we found out about it from some schools and some other single moms groups, things like that. We put them all up there, and in COVID, we ran out of families to help. We had people calling the church going, come on, we wanted to help. What can we do? And we go, we have no more families to help you with. You got to go find it somewhere else. That's, I'm telling you this to get, so you can be encouraged, not to brag, well, to brag about you. To say, this is the kind of culture that gets created here when, when there's great joy and generosity and community that happens. There's more so I can keep going and going on that, but I got to keep moving. Um, it tells us in Acts, in, in, here in verse 42, it says they were developed, uh, they devoted themselves to, to teaching the Bible, to fellowship community, to sharing in meals and hospitality, and then and to prayer. Number four is, if you want to add fuel to your fire, pray. And some of you go, well, I feel awkward praying. Then don't pray, just talk to God. All too often we've made, I have to do all this prayer stuff, I have to get the right thing, and how do I, what, do I have to make a right speech and to get the words all right? Forget all that. Just talk to God like you talk to anybody else. Now, again, he's God, so you can't get a, you're not flipping about this and casual, but 
read some of the prayers of the Bible and just read those and personalize those for yourself. Now, I think for us as a church, we're growing in this. If I could say there's one of these areas that I feel like we could grow in, be this one right here. And then I started thinking about that, and I don't want to beat anybody up over this today because a lot, I mean, I myself at times struggle with prayer because I'm talking to someone who's not there. I mean, I know he's there. Don't write me your nasty little notes and all that kind of stuff. I know God's there, but at times it just feels like I, I, just, ah, I have issues. It's a struggle for me. Um, but we have prayer teams that are here that will be at the back of the house today that pray right here with you, and they rotate in there. We have some people that are praying. We have our third Thursday prayer and fasting days that we're doing now as collectively as a church where we gather together to pray and fast and seek God over crisis issues, over challenges and opportunities. There are things that are going on in our community. Our prayer teams, when you guys turn in those connection cards, when you text to the 77411, your prayer requests, we don't just put those cards on a table and go, mm. <laughs> by name, specifically, you are prayed for on that. And some of you are on those prayer teams. And sometimes prayer, I, we tend to like it, and prayer makes a big splash. Like we all gather together, everybody comes together, and or we have a big, huge 55, 50 gallon, we pray all at once. Sometimes, though, how prayer works is we don't have a 50 gallon bucket. We all come with our little pint jar. This is what happens in groups every week. As we meet together in groups, there's five to 15 people praying for at least five to 15 minutes. And while it may not make a big, huge splash, a lot of people going, Praying to God makes a big impact. So keep doing that. Keep praying. We want to grow in that as a church. It tells us here that a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed signs and wonders. So the number five is miracles. Miracles are being done by the apostles, not by everyone. Not everybody's going, going bam, boom, zap, and all this stuff's happening. The apostles, the 12 leaders of the early church were performing miracles. And the question that I've got, and I'm sure the question that some of you have is, So where's those miracles today? Like somebody's deaf, blind, crippled, and boom! Right there in that moment, something happens to them. I think part of it might be, part of it might be is that you study through the book of Acts and see what happens when the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is moving from, from Jewish to Samaritan culture, and then from Samaritan, Jewish and Samaritan to to all these international cultures, whenever it's going to break through significant barriers to the gospel. This is even happening over in Iran right now. There's, nobody's talking about this because people get slaughtered for this. But, but over there, they're talking about the fact, Christians are telling, it's crazy, the visions and dreams and signs and wonders that are being done right now. Crazy stuff. And we go, well, how come that's not happening here? Well, maybe because the kingdom of God is a little more established right here right now. And our propensity will be, if we see signs and wonders, we'll focus on the sign and wonder. And the whole point of a sign is not to point to itself, but to point to someone else. And go, this is Jesus who's done this. You should get excited about Jesus and keep him central, not more ooey-gooey, crazy, weird, bizarre stuff that goes on in churches sometimes trying to manufacture some of that stuff, the supernatural and I want to tell you here today, to go on record with the Holy Spirit, with all of you, if God wants to start pouring out some miraculous signs and wonders right here, right now at Cross Point Church, bring it. Let's go. Now, if he doesn't, we're going to follow him no matter what. And here's the thing, too. Sometimes how miraculous signs and wonders work today is not because somebody like me or, or somebody on the worship team or somebody has a gift of that and they go, boom, I'm going to pray over them and boom, something's going to happen. Sometimes 
I hear about a situation in a marriage. A health issue, a financial issue. And we pray about that. God's people pray, and God responds miraculously. And some people go, is that a coincidence? And my response to you is a coincidence is when God chooses to remain anonymous. It may not have been some big <laughs> signs and wonders thing, but God answers prayer. Guys, I'm just looking around here. I know all kinds of stories out here right now today that the only reason that could have happened is an irrational faith in coincidence or a rational faith in a God who stepped into history and did something in answer to our prayer. So mirac- miracles, signs and wonders. It says here, also as we keep moving here, um, in verse 47 it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Uh, number six is they're excited about God. What are you excited about today? And then I don't have to beat you up about this, but here's the deal. Being excited about God, it says praise. It's like we're going to see praise manifest itself. It's going to be in our conversations. Just when you're sitting around talking with people, once in a while, are you excited about something besides your football, baseball team, the barbecue, the beverages, the home improvement projects, the vacation you're going on? Are we ever excited about Jesus and what God's doing? And again, nobody's telling them, come on, get excited about God. You know why they're excited about God? Because they're just excited about God. So some of us go, God, I want to be more excited about you. So tell God, stir something up. Put, some, put your word in there, prayer in there, do some community in there. Get me excited about you. And then it also happens, though, in what our band does when they show up here early every Saturday and Sunday, way before any of you fools get here. <laughs> they walk into an empty place here and get stuff set up. Our guys in the back that do the media and the, and the sound, back to the people that are broadcasting at the outside and all that, make this happen because truthfully, Music and praise and worship will oftentimes, well, I should say not oftentimes, I think 99% of the time will move you in ways that just information and preaching never will. Something about music and putting that together with what our band does. Oh gosh, they got it there, that song, that was in Spanish, right? Not Portuguese? Yeah. In Spanish? I had no idea. I was singing along going, I'm speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> I had no idea what I was saying. Uh, but uh, I'm telling you, even in that moment, they're just like, you just feel something in your heart and soul that's just different than with just information. So it's like that, that praise, that being excited about God that gets stirred up with music. It says also that they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. Write down number seven. They were popular. People liked them. I wonder what they'd say about the church in America today. Oops. Um, even outsiders like him. And, and, and the crazy part about this is, um, you need to know this, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, because all you got to do is read another, flip the Bible two pages, and you go, I thought everybody always liked people of Jesus. Oh, no, people are getting killed, stoned, destroyed, ravaged, wrecked, ruined. But yeah, somebody agrees with me. Um, those kids are having a great time out there. Way to go, kids and leaders out there. Is is, uh, I lost my place. No, I know where I'm at. Is that it, it's not always popular. Sometimes there's, it gets opposed. But from time to time, it's just going to enjoy the goodwill of all the people. I think I feel that right now in our church. Somebody even said a couple weeks ago as we've gotten together here again, it's like when, if, even if somebody's not a Christian yet, walks in here and goes, it's just kind of cool. It's just kind of fun. It, it's exciting. It's not like so heavy. And somebody said it feels axish. It feels like, like not axe, like cut somebody. Axish. Like the book of Acts, I'd clarify that. Some people are going, what, we hurt people here? That's awesome. Um, 
And then it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship, to their numbers, those who were being saved. Number eight is they're growing. More people are coming. Guys, it's been fun this weekend, even on a holiday weekend when a lot of people are gone. Several new families that came here. I, I'm not even going to point you out because I don't even know where you're sitting here. But somebody said, yeah, somebody who doesn't even go to your church yet thought they maybe were going to come today and they told us about you. That's like, man, that's exciting to see that kind of growth happen where people just come. and there's, Guys, we have our sophisticated marketing technique is, is two things. One, we have a website. Ooh. We have a website that's put, put together pretty well. And then you guys just tell people. It's word of mouth kind of stuff. That's all we do. We have no sophisticated direct mail. We have some social media stuff that we, that we do and do pretty well with. But I'm telling you, this is growing because it's a move of the Spirit of God. Now, important note here. On number seven and number eight, they're popular and they're growing. Look at me for a second. For those of you that are newer to church, I'm sorry for the silly, ridiculous, stupid, foolish things that I and we have done from time to time trying to be popular and trying to grow, trying to give God a boost and give God a hand. <laughs> God goes, seriously? And you've seen, I mean, some of you have been in those churches. I, from time to time, the church I grew up in, we had, I remember one Sunday, they, they, built the, they, built, they broke the Guinness World Record for the world's largest snow cone. Trying to get, let's be excited about it. I, at some point I go, so a snow cone is going to get me excited about Jesus. I don't know. I'm just telling you, so from time to time, we don't have, you don't have to try to make this happen. What you do is, if you want to see the fire of God go, look back at your notes right here. Number one, be devoted, enthusiastic about the Bible and living out the Bible. Number two, keep Jesus central and get, make friends and community and pray together and watch what God does supernaturally and all that kind of thing. And I've lost track. Number six, being excited about God. That lights a fire and keeps the fire going that's just interesting and attractive. Um, there's a, a famous guy years ago who says, uh, if you want to, to attract people uh, to, to the fire of God, um, get lit up by God, and people will come from all around to watch you burn. And not to burn out, and not like, we're not, but just, it's some famous missionary, I forgot his name, I just thought of it right here, right now, and some of you that know that could write me a note on that and make sure I get that right. Uh, the other thing I want you to see here is that they were being saved. Super important. Sometimes what we do things in, some of us are more linear thinking kinds of individuals, and some of us, how we've kind of modeled spiritual growth, it's like this, okay? Get saved, get your stuff together, and then you can come in. One of the little phrases we use around here all the time is you don't have to believe in order to belong. If you're brand new to faith, brand new to Christianity, and I saw this beautifully displayed last Thursday night in the best small group at Cross Point Church, the one I lead. And it's not because I lead, it's because the people that are in it. It's people that are newer to Christ. They're sitting right there in the back row. Yeah, my back row people. Yeah, of course. Of course they're in the back row. Of course they're in the back row. Oh, but newer folks to Cross Point. And guys, in there, I just, you saw this. It was beautiful to see. Some people are longtime Christians walking with Jesus strong. Some people that aren't Christians yet. And by their own mission, I'm not sure what to think about all this. I'm still kicking the tires and just trying to figure this out. People struggling with having some really difficult church experiences and wondering, do I'm going to stay with church and do that? Uh, other people being challenged and confronted and on issues and stuff that they're walking with. They're Christians. But anyway, all that stuff and more. One dude, been out of church for 20 or 30 years. And God has drawn him back 
in here around. This is what it looks like to be a community of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not all saved, figured out, got all our stuff together. We are being saved. You're being saved. Uh, so don't worry about having your stuff together. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, you need to get saved. You get saved, you get baptized. We're not saying that's not important. We're just saying you don't have to have get all get it all figured out in linear progression order by our charts and graphs and diagrams. Could we be better at all this stuff? Absolutely, today. But rather than focus on our shortcomings and all that, let's celebrate, spike the ball, touchdown dance, excited about who God is and what he's doing in our midst. And that's all I got to say. The band's coming up. <laughs> um, they're, they're very glad that's all I have to say and the band's finally coming up. I know, I get it. Uh, <laughs> the beautiful part about this too is to ask yourself the question as the band, we're gonna play some songs together. We're gonna do that number six on there. Be excited about God together. So don't sing like... <laughs> Sing out, and it says make a joyful noise. doesn't say make a beautiful noise. <laughs> make a joyful noise. We're going to sing these songs with joy and enthusiasm. You can go to tables in the room to get that communion we talked to you about. It helps you remember who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross. And maybe you wrestle with this question. Because we're being saved, where is my enthusiastic joy and awe of God right now? Is it growing is it plateaued or is it increasing or is it decreasing? Just let God wrestle around with your heart and soul. Jesus, today, we love you. We are excited about what you're doing in our lives individually. God, I'm excited for what's happening here at this little kingdom outpost called Cross Point Church here in this Inland Valley. God, we'd be so bold enough to say, God, we want to be more and more like that Acts 2 church with all the mess and blah of it all. We want to be like that, God, excited, enthusiastic, devoted to all those things we talked about today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.